we're almost running out of places to continue to do the model that's been the primary model. Um, we got to shift and have other models. You know, I'm not saying it's one or the other, it's both and. Thanks for joining us for Exponential Next's first podcast series, Snapshots of Innovation. I am Carrie Williams, the Executive Director of Exponential Next, and I am so thankful that you're joining us for our very first series filled with engaging conversations that I believe will inspire you to innovate. I know they have done that for me. In this six-part series, John West, our Next Ventures Director, interviews an exclusive group of pioneers, pastors, and ministry leaders who are creatively innovating to make disciples, plant churches, and reach the lost. The 11 ministries featured in this series participated in our most recent Next Ventures annual Shark Tank event. I pray this series will spark creative ideas for your ministry context and provide encouragement for the new ways God is working in North America and beyond. Well, hey, what's up, everyone? And thank you for listening. My name is John West, and I serve as the director of Next Ventures. And I'm really looking forward to today's episode as I interview a few of the pioneers in urban ministry. Uh, first off, I'm joined by Urban D. Tommy Colonin, uh, lead pastor of Crossover Church in Tampa, Florida, as well as an internationally known hip hop artist, author, and speaker. Uh, Tommy's trained over 5,000 urban leaders across the country through Flavor Fest events and was one of our finalists at a recent Shark Tank event. So, Tommy, how are you doing, sir? Man, I'm doing good down here in Florida. I can't complain. I'm warmer than you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we're going to have a fun conversation today. And uh, for those that don't know you, I thought we'd just start with a quick snapshot. Uh, give us kind of your quick Call the ministry, and you're the pastor of Crossover Church, very innovative church. Uh, tell us a little bit about how God called you and, and why you launched Crossover. Yeah, well, John, thanks for having me, man. I'm originally from Philly, and so I got that East Coast flavor and uh, grew up in that, you know, golden era of hip hop that we've both talked about oh, before. Yeah. And I grew up in church. I did. I, I'm a PK. I'm a pastor's kid. And I had a rebellious season for as an older teenager there for a minute. But God kept his hand on me and uh, put a call in my life during my first year. Uh, I went to Bible college just to appease God and my parents. I'd go for one year and then God just got a hold of me the second semester and uh, put a call to do urban ministry. So I trans transferred my second year of college, went down to Florida to Southeastern to finish up and uh and then, like, I met my wife there. She's from New York City. So we're both like, we're both from up north. We're going back up north. But God didn't open up any doors. He opened up a door at this little church plant uh, in the inner city in Tampa called Crossover. Mm -hmm. And they were only a few years old, never had a youth ministry. They really wanted to reach the teens in their community. And so they brought me in to start this youth ministry from scratch with one teenager that officially attended the church. And they said, well, you can do all kinds of outreach stuff to reach the the neighborhood. So I started doing basketball leagues and uh, hip hop concerts. And so sports and music were two big things that we use to reach unchurched kids. And the youth ministry started to really grow and explode. And we were quickly bigger than the adults uh, within the first year, fast forward six years. And uh, we had hundreds of, of youth and young adults come into our youth service and about 40 still on Sundays. But the face of that 40 was mostly my youth leaders. And mm. uh, so, you know, the, the, lead, the church leadership and the pastor kept asking me to step up and take over. And I kept pushing back on it. No, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm busy doing the youth ministry. And uh, I was rapping as Urban D. And that's, you know, I always joke around and say, Paul made tense me. I rapped. And nice. so that was how I supported my family to be in full-time urban ministry. And I got signed to a label. And so I was traveling all over the place, still trying to be there every week for the youth ministry and all the stuff we were doing. And, uh, but yeah, beginning of 2002, I finally submitted and me and my wife prayed and said, okay, I'll step in and be the guy for a little while until we find the next pastor. And within a few months, I realized that we had found him. It was me. 
So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've been in that role now the last 22 years. It's crazy. Wow. And uh, God's done amazing stuff. And, and I think, John, the biggest thing is I've been able to be myself. I've had freedom to reshape and, and, and recreate what the urban multi-ethnic church could look like. And we did a lot of radical things uh, that people thought we were crazy, but uh, God's breathed on it and blessed it. And we weren't always, you know, we made a few mistakes along the way, but, uh, you know, today we're thriving, growing. Uh, we're in a former retail box, an old Toys R Us store right in the heart of the city. And God is blessing it, man. Yeah, praise God, man. Well, you're definitely a pioneer when it comes to ministry in the hip hop community. And you said you grew up in Philly. Is that right? I did, man. The 215. Similar age, kind of came up in the 80s and, and 90s when, when nope. rap was making its mark, right, on culture and all of that. And it's cool to see the fact that God took, you know, in your heart, this this love for hip hop and love for this culture. And yeah. when he redeemed you and changed you, he's now used that same passion, right, to reach others. And uh, I think a lot of people, when they think about hip hop ministry, when they think about urban ministry, uh, they just think hip hop's just sort of a style, like a style of music, you know, like rap yeah. music, country music. But man, it's an entire culture, isn't it? And one of the it things is. I want to hear from you is just, you know, for those listening that, that aren't as familiar with hip hop, like talk a little bit about the larger culture of hip hop and the people that you're going after and trying to reach with the gospel. Yeah. So, you know, hip hop, of course, we think of music first and foremost. Right. And I get it. But it's you know, it's it, like you said, it's a culture. It's a lot more than that. It's you know, it's fashion. It's language. It's it's a style. It's just, you know, there there's a lot of different elements to it. And uh, and really hip hop culture has, you know, become pop culture, pop meeting popular culture. And in the year 2020, that was the first official year that hip hop slash R&B rhythm and blues became the number one consumed music in the United States, uh, almost double what the number two genre was that's consumed, which was rock music. Rock music used to be number one. Um, the hip hop bumped it out. And I kind of have this hunch that I really think that hip hop was really number one a lot longer than that. But now that streaming has become the norm and streaming is cheap and so many people can do it, you know, that you have, you know, the numbers are showing now, oh, man, there's way more people listening to this one. Previously, when physical music or buying a digital download, which was much more expensive, you, you, you had your older demographic that was able to have that discretionary income to participate in that. Um, so now the, the playing field's level and we can see, man. The, the huge influence that, you know, hip hop music has on on culture. And so, I mean, it's a mission field. That's the way that we always have looked at it as our church. We're like, man, we're called to reach people that are influenced by urban culture, by hip hop culture. And those kind of go hand in hand. And I think a lot of churches, uh, they're, they're like, man, I, I can't understand why we can't reach anybody under 40 or under 45. We're really struggling with the, the millennials and the younger generation. And it's like, man, are you speaking their language? Yeah. Are you playing the soundtrack that they can connect with? I'm not saying we compromise or anything. Um, you know, there's a lot of great Christian hip hop music out there. And music is neutral anyways. And so we've just had, you know, a sweet spot of being able to communicate and connect with that culture. And, you know, the majority of our church is uh, is under 40. You know, our average age yeah. is in the, in the 30s. And um, it's continued to, to be that for a while. And it's been uh, even as we continue to grow and there's lots of young families and, you know, we have older people, too, uh, yeah. but they're cool. They're cool. Older people like us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's funny you say that because it is true, man. Hip hop. It really does transcend race, ethnicity, age, all that. Yeah, It turned 50 last year. Real? So it's yeah. been around for a long time now. And I think the church still, a lot of the church world still thinks, oh, it's just for the youth. Yeah. No, you've got a lot of people in their 40s and 50s that grew up on it. And, oh, and yeah. they like it. And it's okay to blend some of that style in to a worship experience. Not saying every church has to do it like us, um, but you'd be surprised if you, you know, try some different things and, and see how that connects and resonates with people. So I got to ask you, man, just on a 
I'll say a personal note, but hey, I it's funny, man. I grew up in Iowa, the mid Midwest, just the cornfields. you know. Well, you know, it was it was <laughs> a city, right? We yeah. do have cities in Iowa, but still, it was Yeah. it was Iowa, you know, it's the Midwest. And I grew up watching Yo MTV raps and Rap Yep. City and you know, all of these early pioneers. So I do want to ask you just like who who some of your influences have been. Yeah. when it comes to hip hop and rap music and that kind of thing, like who did you come up with? Like, who do you, who do you turn to for influences? Yeah, man. So we didn't have YouTube where we could just watch anything at any time. Like we had to lock in every day at four o'clock or five o'clock for Yo MTV raps. And in my house, my parents did not have cable. They were cheap. And Mm. uh, but my, my friend across the street had cable. So we would all go over to his house and watch Yo MTV raps every day at 4 Ed p.m. Lover, Ed Lover. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Ed Lover and Dr. Dre. right. And uh, that was kind of our connection to the outside world, outside of our community. We didn't have social media, you know, and um, and yeah, that was uh, that was a, a cool era. But so I, you know, I grew up, I, I, I one of my first tapes I had was Run DMC, Tougher Than Leather. Um, my friend bought me that for my birthday when I was turning like 14. But I had all kinds of mixtapes and stuff before that. But I liked Public Enemy, Big Daddy Kane. Um, there were some groups from Philly, like uh, Three Times Dope and Cool C. Those are some like local legends. And of course, the Fresh Prince, uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Um, they were big in Philly before he ever really blew up. And he was like comedic rap. His stuff was real funny, his early stuff. And so I was rapping his stuff on the bus and I would have everybody laughing, you know, because his songs were real. He had a lot of funny songs like Girls That's of hilarious. the World Ain't Nothing But Trouble. <laughs> so, and our uh, parents just don't understand. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, man, uh, a lot of those groups, they definitely shaped me in my, in my early years. And I started rapping myself, you know, and, uh, and then started even doing some, some Christian songs at church. Remember the first time we, we, me and my friends rapped at church, uh, my dad, he was like taking a risk, man. This was like 1988. And he did it on a Sunday night because there's not as many people. The problem is on Sunday nights, it was all the old people. And I'm like, this ain't even the crowd. Like Sunday morning, you know, but it's so funny. My dad dismissed service and he's like, hey, we're going to dismiss service now. But my son and some of his friends are going to do a rap song, a Christian rap song, if anybody wants to stay and listen. So he wanted to like if he got in trouble, he'd be like, why dismiss service? Right. Nobody moved. Everybody stayed there. And my one friend was playing the drums and, you know, and uh, and man, they loved it. They were very supportive. It was really cool, man. The old people were like, that's great. You know, That's you're doing pretty it for cool. the Lord. So, yeah, that was the beginning of my big rap career. <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, I know. I know all those artists. I remember growing up with them as well. And it's funny, even even when I look back, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian home uh, following Jesus. And yet I loved hip hop and really Yeah. the Christian rap industry didn't get rolling until a little bit later. And Yeah, there I would wasn't buy a lot these of great CDs. choices I'll, at first. yeah, I'll never I'll never forget. I'd buy CDs. I get convicted and I throw them away. Yeah. I go buy them again. <laughs> I get convicted. <laughs> we had some I think bonfires I, with our CDs. <laughs> man, yeah, I think I bought Dr. Dre's The Chronic like six times and I just kept Oh, man. Yeah. So one of the things about, um, I think your ministry that, that I love, that's so innovative. And, and you mentioned this, we were describing hip hop. It really is so much more than just music. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's fashion, it's culture, it's music, it's, Um, it's language, it's how you talk, you know, uh, you, so you've done a lot more than just pastoring, uh, you know, you're an artist, you're a musician, you're a producer, you're an author, um, you've got into, uh, some fashion and some other things like that. So I think with all of that as a ministry entrepreneur, uh, and kind of pioneering a lot of this, just share, like, what have been a couple of your most recent releases, whether that be a, a book that's come out or a new training or a clothing line or anything like that. I'd love to just hear what you have brewing these days uh, down there Yeah. in Tampa. I've had my hands in a lot of things over the years. I'm a creative, you know, I'm an artist and, uh, you know, I was making albums. I'm still doing a little bit of music, but that kind of transitioned more the last couple of years into writing books. And uh, so my, my most recent book is a book that really celebrates fashion and sneaker culture. 
And it's called Gotta Be the Shoes, where sneaker culture meets faith. And so, you know, it does celebrate, you know, the art and, and give some history on sneaker culture and how kind of Michael Jordan, you know, when he signed with Nike and the Jordans came out, that kind of began to launch this whole new movement. And uh, sneaker culture right now is exploding. So I, I'm always being intentional to look at what are some of the things that culture is talking about? Um, how can I find some things like Paul, the Apostle Paul, some things in common with people to connect with them and then point them to Jesus? And so that's what this this latest book is is really about. And we actually did a, I did a hardcover book, my first one, uh, and it's full color inside because we did a photo shoot with all the uh, sneakerheads from my church. They brought their best shoes. We have almost a hundred pictures, original pictures of a lot of really cool shoes and some very rare in the book. And then you know the creative side of me was like I'm I'm always big on visuals, excellence, and packaging. And so we decided to put the book in a, the God gave me this crazy idea. I'm going to package the book, every book, not just the ones that you send out to your influencers or whatever, but I'm going to package it in a custom shoe box. And so it comes, it can come in a custom shoe box and uh, it's got sneaker paper inside of it that the book is wrapped in. So when you open it, it kind of has that whole experience. And I did a masterclass with it too. So it has that visual uh, side of it as well. There's eight chapters and each chapter uh, has a video with it. And, you know, it talks about purpose. It talks about um, eternity. It talks about materialism, how much is too much. And in and, and that tension that we can have um, just because you can buy it. Should you buy it? You know, uh, finances is in there because some people over leverage and they find themselves in a bunch of debt. So I was able to really creatively um, weave in a lot of faith topics and biblical principles and some stuff in the book. And so, um, it's really the, the goal is two things. One is to, you know, reach out to people that are into that culture that don't know Jesus. So it's a great way. We all know someone that's into shoes that needs Jesus, right? Or more yeah. of Jesus. And then at the same time, even for believers that are into fashion and shoes, there's a lot of great stuff in the book, leadership principles and whatnot. But man, John, I decided to do something crazy. And I've never done this before, but I'm actually, because I'm so passionate about the book, I want to get it out to so many people. Yeah. Um, I'm giving it away. And so you can get a copy for free. I own it because I'm the publisher. Mm -hmm. uh, the website's freeshoesbook.com. And that's how you can get a free copy. The only thing I don't own is the post office. So you just have to pay for the shipping. Um, but legit, like you can get a, a copy of it for free. If you want to get the shoe box and all those other things, that is, you can add that on. But the book itself, uh, we just want to get it in people's hands and and get and it we'll, out there. You know, we'll put that in the in the notes, show notes, freeshoesbook.com. And, yeah. uh, you know, if you're listening, I, I, I'll just say this. Uh, I received that book. I got it. I got the shoe box, man. It's fantastic. You did an awesome job with that. And Thanks, uh, it's funny. I got in, you know, here I am, middle-aged man. I got, got back into to my shoe game <laughs> recently and got a few pairs yep. of Jordans and that kind of thing. And it is, man, it's everywhere. Um, but the book's so well written and it just hits, it hits all those points where sneaker culture and faith and lifestyle and all that stuff overlaps Yes. And so I appreciated that. And what a great opportunity, you know, if people have friends or neighbors, coworkers, folks they know that don't know the Lord or aren't walking with Christ. What a great bridge, man, to hand yeah. that book out and say, hey, check this out and let's talk about it. You know, let's get back to yeah. me. So, um, yeah, I've heard a lot of great stories about it already and the touching people. And man, when I first met you. But, you know, I looked down at your feet and I was like, uh, I'm going to connect with this guy. Got some J's on. <laughs> Nice, nice. So, man, let's take the the next part of our our time together, and let's talk about how you're training other urban leaders and pastors around the country. Because you've done this thing called Flavor Fest every year uh, in Tampa, but recently you made the decision: How do we take this beyond you know Florida to the rest of the country? So, tell us a little bit about the heart and the history behind Flavor Fest, and what you what you have kind of. As you look forward to the next year, next few years, what you'd like to see happen when it comes to training of urban leaders? Yeah, well, we, we've been doing Flavor Fest for a long time now. I can't believe it, but we started it in the year 2000, and it really just launched out of the need. You know, I came out with my first national album in 1999. It was in stores back when we used to go to, to stores to, to buy music, 
And uh, I had a picture of my youth group behind me, a couple hundred kids, and a little paragraph in there about, you know, how we were using, you know, basketball leagues and hip hop concerts and break dancing classes and all this stuff to, you know, reach all these unchurched kids. And suddenly we started to get a flood of phone calls and emails and then even in-person visits because everybody comes to Florida and visits uh, on vacation. So they're like, oh, we're, we're going to go to Disney World and Urban D's church. You know, <laughs> so every week we just had people come. I got your album. We wanted to come visit. And wow. You know, so we had all these questions of people that suddenly we we were the experts like, oh, look what you're doing. Like, teach us. So we soon realized, like, man, we need to do a weekend where we can just invite people to come and do workshops and they can be immersed in, you know, our culture and our experience. We'll do some outreaches. We'll have a concert, you know, we're, we're going to do all this to really train people. And, and so they can take this back to their cities. So we did the first flavor fest in November of 2000. We had about 70 leaders come a couple hundred people came to the concerts and it just, you know, every year it just kept growing. And so we've trained now, we're probably getting close to 7,000 wow. leaders because last year alone, we trained over a thousand, um, you know, and we always just did it in Tampa at our church to host it there. And of course, over the years, you know, people always would ask, Hey, can you, we want to do a flavor fest in our city. And we were always like, Oh yeah, that's way too much work. Like <laughs> we are lucky we put this one on, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of work. And we're at the same time, we're running a church and we have a small staff because we're in, in, in the urban context, so we don't have as big of a budget. So we got a lean team. We're all working hard. We're hustling. We're entrepreneurs. We have side hustles as well. And uh, But, you know, during the pandemic, our church thrived, and we actually grew. Hmm. And um, by the end of 2022, we were larger than we were before the pandemic. And wow. during 2023, we continued to, to grow even more. And financially, we were way ahead of where we were before, like 33, 34% higher, um, you know, and so, but we put a lot of new systems in place. Like we really worked hard and God just breathed on it. And so, you know, with inflation hitting and everything, we we knew so many urban churches weren't going to have the budget to fly down to Tampa yeah. and come to Flavor Fest. And even if they were, it would just be like one person could come, not the whole team. And so God just put it on our heart at the end of 2022, like, man, we're thriving and we have a mantle, we have a responsibility to, to, to train others. And, and there was a void in that space. Nobody else was doing anything anymore since the pandemic had happened. And leaders and churches needed to encouragement more than ever because people were just exhausted, you know, from, from everything they had to deal with. And their churches were only halfway back and the budget is tight and, you know, and people didn't come back and leaders just feel beat up. And so we're like, man, we just got to go and encourage people and um, give inspiration, give them new ideas, resources, innovation. And so we did the tour in 2023 and we went to five cities, four cities besides Tampa, went to New York City, L.A., um, Atlanta and Houston. And so uh, we said, man, we don't know if we're ever going to do this again. This is a ton of work. It's taken us away from some of the every, everyday things we do in Tampa at home. But, uh, you know, God, we're going to do it this year. And, and then after we did it, we're like, okay, that went pretty awesome. Now we know what we're doing. We could do it way better next year. If God wants us to, I don't know, let's pray. Let's put the fleece out. And then you, bro, you kept bothering me last <laughs> summer about this application to turn in. And I didn't turn it in. I was busy. I'm running. And I was late. And you said, hey, man, I'll still take it. You know, right on. And I ended up turning it in a few days after the deadline because yeah. You know, thank you, bro, for being yeah, on me. Yeah, yeah. And we got chosen as one of the finalists and went to the Shark Tank. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we won second place. And that money that we got was like God saying, okay, that's the seed money to do, do the tour again. And so we're super excited about this year. We're way more organized. We're about to launch the website with all the cities and all the details. We're coming back to New York City, to Queens. Oh. Uh, we're going to be in Los Angeles again. Uh, we're going to Chicago this year uh, and we're going to be in Houston and we've got some great speakers and great artists that are going to be with us in, in every city. Flavorfest.org has all the details. If you want to tap in and, and come and uh, and hang out with us, those are one day events. So we do like two general sessions with some amazing worship, some powerful speakers. Uh, then we have two breakout workshop times and we usually have about five tracks. We have one for um, church leadership we have one for youth ministry, Urban Youth Workers Institute, UIWI is partnering with us 
running that track. Uh, we have um, a track on outreach, uh, a track for artists, a track for entrepreneurs. So it's going to be really good. And then in the evening is when we have the concert. Okay. So flavorfest.org, tap in with us. We're praying to train over 1,500 leaders uh, in the urban context in 2024. And, you know, I think that's also, Tommy, one of the reasons I kept calling and <laughs> I kept emailing and tapping in. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're you're kind of an OG, right, in urban ministry. And I think you've been around a while doing this. But I think the recent innovation of taking this training beyond just a, hey, come to us to say, hey, yeah. we want to actually go out to other locations around the country is part of why we really wanted you to be a part of that. And the fact that you ended up you know, as one of our finalists was probably confirmation in many ways. Yeah. Uh, what you're doing is really, you know, a lot of people are seeing that and hearing your testimony and the breakouts you did just to say, how do we pour more fuel on this fire? So you mentioned Flavorfest coming to four more cities, uh, 2024, Chicago. That's awesome. I'm in Indy. So we're a few hours away, but um, yes. yeah. So when it comes to those cities, are you selecting cities based on just kind of population or is it, hey, this is where we have some existing connections and urban ministry and artists and that kind of thing? And then I guess my follow up would be, as God continues to make this fruitful, um, I would imagine, you know, there'll be a larger tour perhaps that starts. And so if, if someone's listening and they're a part of a city and like, man, we really want Flavor Fest to come to us, to come to our city how does that work, man, with picking locations? Yeah. How do you know when, when it's the right fit? Yeah, that's a great a great question. And, you know, we're limited on resources and everything else. And so we're like, man, we want to go to places that, uh, first of all, we know are influential urban places where there's going to be a lot of churches and urban ministries there that could really um, benefit from this. And then second of all, it's, it's churches, it's cities that we have partnerships in that mm -hmm. we know people, we know churches, we know influencers that we're going to tie in with them. They're going to help us get the word out, boots on the ground as well. Um, so churches and artists in that city that we know, and um, that's worked really well. And we're being even more strategic with it this year. And now that we even got some seed money, we're actually going to do some advertising in those cities, which we didn't do last year because we just honestly didn't have the budget. Yeah. And we were like building the plane as we were flying it. But we're a lot more organized this year and have a little bit more resources. And we already did it once. So each one of those cities now, there's kind of a, a buzz there. And um, so we're, you know, we're excited. And, and will we add more cities in the future? Possibly. You know, we, we possibly will. Um, if we see the need and there's people there that uh, we can partner with and there's, you know, yeah, it's yeah. the sky's the limit, whatever God yeah. wants. In some ways, I would say, uh, you know, if you if anyone listening would want to bring Flavor Fest to your city, obviously reach out to you. And then also on the flip side, uh, if you're an investor or someone that wants to resource urban ministry, uh, I think you'd be happy to entertain a connection, wouldn't you, Tommy? If someone wanted to absolutely <laughs> hit me up, hit me up. You can because find me on often, social media. Yeah, I mean, B eight one three. But oftentimes finances do play a role in how much yeah. you can do. And I think, you know, as people feel led to give and to resource urban ministry, and you're right, it is, there are some challenges, man, that come with the territory that um, other types of ministry don't have to deal with. And I think to to be able to bring you and your team to have artists at night, to have the outreach of it, the training of it, the equipping specifically for urban ministry. I mean, someone's got to have a heart for this, right? This listening, yeah. <laughs> uh, just to connect and say, how do we resource that, you know, and push it further um, down the road? So, um, well, let me let me kind of kind of land the plane here and just ask you um, as you are moving forward and as you think about like maybe some final words you could offer for folks that are listening here when it comes to, to hip hop ministry, urban ministry, anything you'd want to want to say or share before we, before we wrap up, or maybe even a resource or something you could point people to uh, just any final words on your heart. Yeah. I would just say that, you know, this is super important. We're passionate about it because we see the shift continue to happen in demographics in our country. You know, if you follow demographic studies, 
America is becoming more brown and more urban, and the majority of church planting networks in our country are focusing on suburban and lighter skinned, you know, and I get it. The economics work better for that. Uh, when you when you plant in the new suburb or you plant in the gentrifying neighborhood uh, in the city that's cool again, and you got people with money moving in there, uh, it's it's much easier to make a church plant work. And so that's the challenging thing of urban ministry and what we do. Like we have to get partners and sponsors to help subsidize some of it, at least for a season until it can become self-sustainable. Um, but it takes longer many times for it to become self-sustainable. I've coached over 100 urban pastors, and I can count on one hand those that became self-sustainable quickly. Um, a lot of them, it, it takes years for that church to get to the point where they don't need support. And so, uh, but my, my point is this, John, is that the church, the capital C church needs to have more strategies moving forward. And I, that's why I appreciate you guys coming alongside of us and believing in us and championing the cause because as America continues to shift and become more urban and more brown, um, the amount of church plants we even see in the last decade, it's went down. Mm -hmm. We're almost running out of places to continue to do the model that's been the primary model. Um, we got to shift and have other models. You know, I'm not saying it's one or the other, it's both and. Um, but if we want the church to, to grow and multiply and move forward in the United States and around the world, um, we, we got to be smart and look at the demographics. And so we got to put some energy into multiplying and planting, you know, urban multi-ethnic churches in the city. So that's what I'm super passionate about. That's what I live and breathe. And uh, I want to see it, it grow because Jesus has changed my life and I've seen him change so many lives, in, you know, in my context and there just needs to be more of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, praise God, man. Uh, just kind of to recap, uh, gotta be the shoes. I got the book a couple months ago, man. Great book. <laughs> Pick it up. Freeshoesbook.com. Uh, you can check that out. Flavorfest.org to learn more about attending one of those training events. And uh, Tommy, man, I appreciate your, uh, just your heart for the gospel, your heart for Christ, your heart for urban um, America. And uh, just, just praying for you, man, praying for God's, God's best on your life. Thanks so much. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. I look forward to seeing you at Exponential. All right. Sounds good. Well, hey, my next guests today are Troy and Mark Evans and Uncle Nephew Duo from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mark serves as a disciple maker, digital marketing professional, and artist who share the stage with the likes of David Crowder, Natalie Grant, Chris Tomlin, Lecrae. Uh, Troy is the founder of The Edge, an innovative hip-hop church in the urban core of Grand Rapids, also leads Nitrogen Network. He's an author, pastor, speaker, producer. Man, I could go on and on. So what's up, fellas? How are you guys doing? Hello. Yeah, yeah. It's good to have you here. Uh, friends of mine, we're going to have a lot of fun over the next 30 minutes or so. Sure. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of directions we could go today, uh, but I really want to spend most of our time talking about an innovative uh, clothing brand called Hustle, Pray, Eat. You were both uh, participants at our Shark Tank event in Raleigh, North Carolina. And this brand has become kind of a national movement. And one of the things I appreciate about both of you is you're always creating, you're always learning, you're always trying to figure out how can I reach and empower the next generation. So Troy, I'm going to start with you. Uh, help us get some context, first of all, for who you are, a little bit about your background. Give us a snapshot of your testimony and how God called you into ministry. Sure. Um, really brief. Just, just uh, I always say I was uh, born in Grand Rapids, became a man in Detroit and lived all over the place. And so with that being said, just uh, just got involved with a bunch of garbage, you know, drugs and uh, selling drugs and uh, game banging and stuff. And then uh, uh, and, and got called in a grand jury investigation and was facing a lot of time. My God's grace did not get that time and was released. And unfortunately, you know, right after that, from one summer to the next, you know, I had uh, my brother's uh, uh, three of my brothers being shot. Um, and so uh, none of them died. I always got to clarify that. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, 
And uh, so from that, we, um, <clears throat> I, I, I went on a run, ended up in Georgia. I was landing me in North Carolina, um, homeless. And then uh, after that, I, I did what any big bad hustler would do, call his mama uh, and say, yo, I need a ticket. You know what I'm saying? And I got me a ticket and I went to Detroit. We met this girl. She tricked me to go to church and I surrendered my life to Jesus. That same day, she and I both, and she's my wife, 28 years later. Man. And uh, since then, we've been, we've been getting it for Jesus. Yeah, that's great. And you wrote a book kind of chronicling your testimony and how God redeemed you. Tell us a little bit about that. What's the name of that book? And I think it was re-released recently, wasn't yeah. it? Yep. So we had, we just celebrated the uh, 10th anniversary of the Edge of Redemption. It, it, it started off as a book just with me telling this, my story, but it, 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 it morphed into more than that, uh, more of a, I'm going to say, how to, you know, based on each individual trauma or situation, there's a training at the end of each chapter, by God's grace, you know, to, uh, three colleges have used it as a curriculum and so on and so forth. So it's been pretty That's sweet. That's awesome. So the Edge of Redemption, check it out, Amazon or wherever you need to go to pick that up. And uh, and you started the Edge. It was a hip hop church, primarily to yeah. read hip hop culture. And somewhere along the way, you connected with Mark. So Mark, man, I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell us a little bit about that story, how you and Troy uh, connected. Man, so uh, my dad was one of the brothers that got shot. Um, so you know, growing up, I only hope I only heard like ghost stories of it. I didn't grow up with my dad. I was kind of like on the other side of uh, Madison, kind of stayed over there. Um, yeah, grew up, kind of was lost, and then an outreach person came out to my school. He was a dance instructor. Turns out it was another brother of PEs that taught me how to dance that ultimately led me to the faith. Um, I joined one of the church plants, Christ Like Outreach. Christ Like, CLO. CLO, turn up. And then um, there was a situation where a cousin of mine got shot and killed and was like right in the alley of a church. And the church uh, seemingly did nothing about it. Um, P.E. was ticked off. He closed down CLO because traditional church wasn't really, you know, for the common, you know, urban kid in Grand Rapids. Um, and a year turned around and I got an opportunity to plant a church, not just plant a church, but to get paid $40 or 40 hours a week uh, building the church. In the church, the concept was uh, a church that is filled with people that look like you, dress like you, talk like you, but there's something different. And it was called the Edge Urban Church. So at 15, I got my first real job, got a real check, paying real taxes on it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the ministry, you know, I've been a part of it for, you know, 15, 16 years now. I haven't left. Wow. Um through it, you know, I, I got a career as a DJ, traveled the world, you know, England, Jamaica, China, uh, all over the U.S. I got to tour with my favorite artists, um, and then I met my wife, and now I have two kids. So Nice. Man, <laughs> praise God for all of that. And uh, such a cool story how you guys connected and uh, just through some, some trials and everything else, and then God's redeemed that, start the edge. Um, I know Troy, you've you've kind of passed that baton on to the next leader of the edge or mm -hmm. churches kind of all over the place. But uh Mark, you mentioned DJing. Troy, you were like a B-boy back in the day, right? Break dancing and doing all that. Let's get it. <laughs> so yeah. you know, I was talking to Tommy uh in this earlier episode a little bit about hip hop and culture of hip hop. Yeah. A lot of people think hip hop is just it's just about the music, you know, it's just rap music. But it's really a whole culture. I mean, it's fashion, it's language, it's like you yep. mentioned, the D DJ, MC, graffiti artists, it's dancing, it's all that kind of thing. And I'm just curious from the two of you, like, do you guys have any hip hop influences or anything uh, as you look back in the past? This could be BC before Christ. It could be after Christ. I don't know. What are some of your influences with hip hop? 
Jeez. Uh, mine would be would have been uh, or is would be uh, Ghetto Boys. You know, I I I want that was I was I was the um they didn't know I was a member of Ghetto Boys, uh, but I, I made myself an honorary member of the Ghetto. <laughs> Ghetto Boys but, would yeah. definitely be C. That was definitely yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, these cats were just amazing. You know, Scarface just did recently did a Tiny Desk. Uh, Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. For sure. How about you, Mark? Uh, uh, I was a, a real big Little Wayne fan. Big mm. Little. Yeah. Here. Uh, it was more so vocabulary. I think me being in sixth grade, and some of the teachers overheard kind of the raps that we we're doing in the back, and uh. It was Miss Tina. She was very impressed by the words that we were saying. And then she made us look it up, which made me more of a fan, maybe less than what she was trying to do. But this man, the word choices was just, you know, it was crazy syllables and all that stuff. Again, before Christ. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's let's keep it real, because even even with me, I grew up in a Christian household and um, I had a few moments I fell away, but I would buy these CDs of like all these artists and then I'd get convicted and I throw them away. Then I go, go down to CD exchange and buy them all. And <laughs> I got a few ghetto boys tracks in the day. I, I was telling Tommy, I, I bought Dr. Dre's chronic album probably 10 times. I just kept throwing it away. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It was a drug. It was a drug, but, yes, um, but you know, what's cool is God redeems all this stuff and, and, yeah. you know, the Christian hip hop industry really wasn't really wasn't going very much in the 80s. I mean, there were a few folks. I remember Preachers in Disguise. Uh, I remember a Cross Movement when they came out just thinking, oh, OK, finally, you know, finally. We yeah, something. Uh, there were uh, who were some other artists, gospel gangsters, remember all of them. Yeah. yeah. But um, I'm curious for you, you know, when you think about uh that industry and everything else like how have you how have you seen the christian rap industry evolve over the years and who are some some connections you even have now because i know you've got friends and family that are involved in the industry and you've produced and uh you even had a, a rap label i think at one time troy mark how you want to answer that um yeah man my best friend my accountability you know my son's godfather um i mean by any metric, I would say top three, top five Christian artists right now, Stephen Malcolm. Wow. Um, our our goal is to shift it a little bit. You know, there was a time where it was explicitly gospel and it was very uncomfortable for the world to listen to. Hmm. Um, I think as a church and as a genre, if we can accept that, then, you know, move forward. And, you know, more recently it's hard for Christians to kind of listen to or to be fed by the uh, Christian music that's coming out now. It's kind of watered down. It's just, you know, mm. it's milk, you know? So as, as our goal, we're trying to bring meat back into Christian hip hop, something that you can sit down, you know, if your verse isn't, you know, if you can't preach your verse, then you got to rewrite it. So that that's the stance that we take currently and then the next one is tank coming up right now coming up look him yeah. up yeah TV making it happen hmm. making it happen. got you trying yeah, to add I, to that yeah i agree with mark man like you know we, we we always go into these conversations uh in and out of them over you know last decade and a half, longer well, two decades but um the it just seems to me like we, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't bash any, any one of the, the, the eras, right? So we don't like the golden era and all that stuff in secular. I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that with the, with the era, the eras that we've gone through, right? It was necessary then, yeah. right? So we, we had, we had, I believe like the epistles, the letters written to the church, but we need, the church needed to wake up. And then we, we, we had an audience of teenagers and 20-somethings that, that didn't know the gospel. And I think what was introduced was like, yo, here's the gospel. 
Right. Yeah. Here, here's here's the truth. And cats are having words, the same words they've never said before. They're looking up words they never looked up. But I think I think as we as 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 Christian hip hop is mature, we still have some of those those guys. They don't need to go anywhere. But then I think I think now, then I think we went through a wave where it's like, man, let's just make it sound good, yo. Let's make it sound like we be at least not five years behind. Right. You know, and I think that's that temp, I think caused it to be a little bit more milkish. But then now I think I think it's time for balance. You know, it's time for balance. How do you yeah. how do you yeah. ensure? Uh, I like the way Mark said that. So yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, some incredible, incredible up and coming artists. You mentioned a few of them, and I think uh, it's just cool to see the evolution of of Christian hip hop. Because I'm I'm gonna be honest, I mean, much respect for some of the pioneers, but man, it, we've come a long way, you know. Eesh, man. Oh, so, uh, praise God. However, I I I just look listen to Lecrae. What's the first album called, Mark? You remember? Real talk. Oh my goodness, that is really. Good music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the production wasn't like, you know what I'm saying? All of this. Yeah. It was just good, good music. You know what I'm saying? Uh, literally the, uh, a couple days ago. So it was, it was, you had a few of them in there. But like, great. It's probably that next era, though. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's era. right. That's right. So uh, both of you are what I would call serial entrepreneurs, um, had your hands in a lot of things. Uh, most recently, though, you've kind of moved in a new direction, which is really cool, a clothing brand. Mm-hmm. It, but it's much more than clothing, you know. Uh, and so, Mark, I want to want to start with you to spend mm-hmm. kind of the rest of our time talking about a new innovation, really, because I think there's been... Uh, a lot of movement maybe in music. There's been a lot of movement in the arts, but now we're into fashion. And I think this is another opportunity for us to reach people with messaging. And so tell me a little bit about this kind of new new brand, Hustle, Pray, Eat. What is, first of all, the origin story of HPE? How did that all start? Um, It's, it's hard to think about it. I was five years. I'm getting old, man. Wow, man. Uh, so um, I just, uh, how it started, I just moved to Kentucky and um, just kind of had to fill the gap. Honestly, notice, hey, I need to make this much to pay the bills here. I'm a new husband, um, new house, new city, new state. So um, any artist, um, if there's any artists listening or people that support artists, the two main ways that artists make music is shows and merchandise. As a DJ, as a money. DJ, yeah, as a DJ, I'm going out and I'm doing the shows, but the only scalable way after that is to sell t-shirts. So man, I just I honestly I burned through probably 60 ideas and then you know the one that stuck was hustle pray eat. So the goal is just to make it as, you know, universal. I want everybody to see it. I want everybody to feel it. And, you know, I sold my shirts. I sold out. I paid my bills. It was great. But um, we're able to move up to Grand Rapids from Kentucky and P.E. seen the shirt. And he was like, hey, man, where you get that from? And I told him I made it. And he didn't seem pleased with my answer. But he let me go without punching me. <laughs> so he asked me again. He said, hey, man, you got any more sizes? I'm like, oh, man, I sold out. And I just kind of put it behind me. And uh, if you know P.E., um, five years ago, all he rocked was Adidas. If, you, if you've seen him for any length of time, he has some shell toes on and an Adidas zip up. And him asking about clothes was kind of strange. I'm not a fashion guy, but... Um, he he's seen he's seen something greater in it more more than just you know a black t-shirt with white writing but i guess it's just a call to action of hey man this really moved me as a pastor i can only imagine you know the platform you got the uh experiences that you know you've been a part of i i don't see why it just has to stop here so Hmm. So let me let me jump in for a minute. Troy, what did you see in it and why did it resonate with you? And and why is yeah. this bigger than just another T-shirt? Yeah, I think um, I mean, you wore it before. And you know, you know how people respond to it. Yeah, it's it's like like nothing I've ever seen before. 
Uh, I don't know why, but um, you know, it, it's just it's just those three words they resonate with people in different ways. For me, I was, when I saw it immediately, I I was able to see you know uh, I was able to see our what we stand for as a family. I don't know if Mark did that intentionally, it probably subconsciously because this is what we live. This has been drilled in him since he for twenty years. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? To work hard, to to seek God always, and then take care of our take care of our family and our community. Let's get it. Um, so, but to me, that I, I seen that it just resonated. But but then what what I think was further was aesthetically, it looked nice. You yeah. know, it was it was something that was easy. It was something that you know a mission statement or a statement that should be. We always just say mission statement should fill in the t-shirt, right? Something that you can remember and people can easily remember that. And for me, that's that's something we can we can start to market, you know. Um, and so and then something bigger came later. So we were trying to figure out our story plan. So we're, we're big on that. So what is what is the story plan? What what is that? Not our story, but what is the story of those who are potential constituents and how and how do they connect? And then and what is the problem we're resolving? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I, as a part of our executive summary. So in that, it, it took us about two years. Would you say, Mark? Almost two years? Yeah. You know, reworking. reworking, trying to figure out. And finally, is that we we we, we realized because of our constituents that we're the we're the brand that motivates. You wear the shirt, people are somehow inspired and motivated by it. And so that that became the thing. Well, then we have to say, well, motivate people to do what? And that became easy to hustle, pray, and eat. And so that be, so then we launched a podcast. Um and, and then very right in the second year, uh, we said, well man, we gotta we're getting people coming to talk to us about leadership stuff, people talking to us about they want us to coach them. It just got overwhelming. And so we just decided to do a conference and said, and then recently we flipped the whole thing. It's really just like we we are our core competency really is leadership development. Urban wow. leadership development. Let me clarify. Urban leadership development. Oh yeah, and we got teachers to go with it. Nice, nice. So just to kind of summarize, you, you're so hustle, pray, eat. By the way, Troy, I think the reason you liked it is it's also got three bars, just like Adidas. So three uh, bars. Yeah, bars. yeah. Bars. And bars. if you've seen the logo or whatever, uh, it looks really pretty fresh on on you know different clothing and all of that. But work hard, hustle. Seek God, pray, and then the third was taking care of family and and eating, enjoying like the fruit of your labor and and that kind of thing. And uh, the cool thing about it, and I think why it resonates with a lot of people, is you know there's a lot of talk about hustle and hustle culture and you know try to make yeah. money and all that. But when you when you divorce that and you remove that from prayer, when you remove that from God, when you don't seek Him in it, it leaves you burned out and unsatisfied. I don't know. You know, yeah. you've got that hole in your heart that you're hustling to try to, whether it's making enough money or getting enough status or, you know, whatever yeah. it may be. And so I just think that resonates that all three of those things are important. And you said, Troy, you know, it's the brand that motivates and now it's evolved into a lot more and a motivation even in training and teaching. So Mark, walk me through what are what are the different avenues then that you do that? Uh, tell me a little bit more about the the conference. So I think the low hanging fruit was people that wanted to start a clothing business. Yeah, uh, people that wanted to make shirts and then seen the success. So we started there with t shirt making, how to make a brand. Then it grew as we grew to okay, how to start a business. Then, you know, in our third year, uh, this would be our third conference. Uh, we double in attendance every single year. Hmm. And now we're helping churches full on. You know, me personally, I'm helping with marketing. Um, I had to market this shirt for five years. I've taken a lot of courses. I've taken a lot of training. And I'm just I'm contextualizing it for churches. So uh, urban churches, you know, in Michigan, you know, from Detroit to Traverse City to Grand Rapids, all meeting up and just showing them a way to, you know, how I would a shirt. Man, you could do the same thing for your church, you know, on a, a slim budget, but then make the reach that you need to. Mm, right on. Right on. So let's talk about uh, 
how Hustle Prairie kind of answers some of the challenges or obstacles I think I see in a lot of, of young people today. And we had this conversation, I think, in Florida a little bit, Troy, we went to Tampa, uh, kind of some of the pushback on the hustle side, right? There's a whole, there's a whole wave now about, you know, got to restore our soul. We got a Sabbath. We've got to rest. We got to do those right. things. Do you see the primary problem in urban communities, people that are working too hard or not hard enough? Like how does the hustle tie in with all of yeah. this? And where, where is the messaging on that? That's a great question. I, I think, I think for me, just, uh, I think the context is really important. Yeah. How many young people I'm around, right? It's like our whole church is youth, uh, young adults now. I just like say you, but young adults, right? Yeah, that's that's all I'm around. So I I'm immersed with with it. So it's not like a conversation here and there. So what what I'm what the, the Mark knows what the most frustrating thing I get is a dude come up to me like, man, I'm tired, bro. I'm just tired. I'm like, real? Like so, uh, man, what's what's going on? Man, just working like. Oh yeah, how many hours working? Man, I work eighteen hours this week, bro. Right. I think what they're what they're busy doing is different. I think I, th I think the idea of work and we got not the curse, but just name stuff. Adam. Work that work is something that's not the devil. <laughs> to to do <laughs> our due diligence to do the basics. It we call we get Mark know the basic forty. You know, since he was sixteen. 15, you've been yeah. told, you need to be working 40 hours a week. That's your basic 40. Then then your hustle starts. Yeah. Then your, what, what your you, other. What you got on my 40, shorty? What you got on my 40, shorty? You know what I mean? And so, it's like, you know, and that's that's the culture where we're saying, let, let's reframe it. And so we actually added on later. We said it, it, it is to work hard and rest hard. Because yeah. it's, it's like it's these two things that go together. But it is, but we are coming against this whole concept the internet, is, the uh, socials is pushing. You know, you get get rich quick, essentially. Get rich easy, essentially. Everybody can everybody can be an influencer, and everybody can get paid, and everybody can. Da, da, da. It ain't that easy. Yeah, so we, got, we have to come. We have to combat that, and and I think the rest culture and the rest thing, and, and really taking Sabbath out of Sabbath out of context, it, it's really, it's really, it's really horrible right now. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. There's a lot of people trying to take shortcuts now. What's the quick buck? What's the quick dollar? How do I make it as fast as possible, convenient as possible? I think you're emphasizing with this messaging the power of like responsibility, ownership, hard work, um, finding what God's called you to do and, and doing it. So, Mark, anything to add to that? T-shirts is not the get rich quick scheme. I don't know if anybody's <laughs> watching this. I just want yeah, to you know, let you know. Just, just, uh, yeah, throw that in there. So there's you actually some hustle else, do it. If you can do anything else, do that. <laughs> try it. Um, so this is a philosophy of ministry, really. And uh, one thing I'm discovering as I watch, you know, urban ministry pioneers around the country is just an ability to connect with the culture in multiple ways. And you kind of need to have that. Uh, Tommy was talking earlier about a, a book he wrote on got to be the shoes. Right. And yeah. It's but you put the book in the hand of somebody who's really into sneakers, some sneakerhead on the street, and all of a sudden they have a new frame of reference. You put a new T-shirt on somebody and they're walking down the street and someone stops them and says, hey, where'd you get that shirt? What does that mean? And it becomes like a message for something some greater. And so you say the brand that motivates. Uh, but I'd love to hear... Uh, Maybe Mark, we'll start with you and then in Troy, but a few stories maybe of how HPE has created an impact, uh, perhaps something from your conference or maybe a testimony you've heard uh, along the way. So anything come to mind, Mark? Yeah, I got this guy, John. Um, we've been walking together for a while and um, man, he's not the easiest guy to walk with, but he he's a pretty cool guy. So what started as, you know, he wanted to make his own, you know, clothing brand turned into he wanted to do music, which turned into, you know, him wanting to get into boxing. And I mean, just having a network of people under Hustle Pray, we have professional, you know, boxers. There's a, a, a middleweight champion 
that is part of Hustle Pray Eat. So just having the connections to walk with somebody, no matter how, you know, maybe unbalanced or double-minded or, you know, back and forth, just building that network of people that's able and willing and wanting to catch someone. So um, not just me. If you wanted to learn how to dance, you'll probably show up to me. But if you wanted to start a church, you could probably come to me too, but you're probably looking more so at PE. You know, yeah. just creating a network out of T-shirts that connect people. So, yeah, that's probably the biggest testimony is, man, my guy John, he's all over the place. But, you know, he, he's been rocking with us faithfully for two, two and a half years. So, nice. Nice. Troy, any, any story come to mind? Yeah, I, I would just go on more on a uh, macro level, I guess. It would be our organizations have, have caught caught the, the, the messaging in the story brand. And they connected themselves. So you all, you know, uh, inviting, you didn't invite Troy from, you know, Nitrogen, Troy from the Heads, Troy from our counseling practice, Troy, you know, all the stuff we do. You, you invited a clothing brand, right? And, and obviously you've seen something different in it. And not connected this year, you know, it'll be a, a partnership between Nitrogen and Hustle Pray Eat. But we're we're hosting everything urban for exponential. I mean, like when when does that happen? You know, so the t-shirt brand has the opportunity to to lead in that way because other people have been motivated. That that's that's what I'm that that that's the biggest testimony to me. Yeah, right on. Yeah, and one thing that's cool about the two of you, and I really appreciate this, is so many times we we start with a strategic plan instead of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that's cool is how over the last, you know, decade or two, honestly, Troy, uh, probably a couple decades, you have just tried to follow the Spirit's lead on some of these things. You know, if somebody told you, hey, Troy, you ought to write a book, you probably would have said, I don't know. But here we are, right? <clears throat> Education. Right. 10-year release, you know, Mark, man, you ought to start a clothing line. What? A clothing line? Seriously? Yeah. And then as it's evolved, it's like, hey, this could be a conference. Hey, this conference could be a free conference at Exponential. Hey, this John that knows these boxers, we could do a a ministry to boxers, right? Hey, what if we took the, you know, this color scheme and tied it in with like hats and did this podcast that was with it? Just think, I think by moving with the Holy Spirit and listening to what he's saying, uh, a yeah. lot of the fruit and a lot of the favor you've had as a result of that, just in an yeah. obedience as hard as it. 100%. Yeah, yeah. So hustlepreeat.com, is that right? It's, absolutely. Hustlepreeat.com to learn more and, and to pick up some some clothing. I've got a few t-shirts myself, so I was just representing. I have that uh, black on yellow. I'm a big Iowa Hawkeye fan, so I had to wear that the other day. Um, I will say you mentioned Little Wayne, Mark, and I've watched him on Undisputed. He's a Packers fan, so I don't really like him as much uh, <laughs> with the Niners. Um, but it's cool. You've got it in every clothing or every uh, color scheme. You've got what are the different articles you offer? Hats? T-shirts. What else is out there, Mark? Man, it's hoodies, okay. uh, neck sweatshirts. Um, we we working to get our uh, our hat collection, you know, pristine, and then uh, probably look to you for the Jordan releases, wow. just so we can match it. So we so we can match it up for you. So you know, we can make your job a lot easier. You ain't got to ask us. You you could tell us. All right. So you got a lot of different, a lot of different items. Go to hustleprade.com to check that out. But then on a bigger scale, and we'll just kind of wrap up with this. Um, <clears throat> Troy, you mentioned nitrogen urban network or, or leadership mm-hmm. network. And I I'm, I would imagine there's some folks listening today to say, man, I wish I had some urban training. I wish I had some mentoring, some coaching. Like a lot of times folks in urban ministry feel alone and they don't mm-hmm. have to be. So what's your website for nitrogen and how can people connect with you on that, Troy? Yeah, I'll say two things. I'll say the uh, nitrogennetwork.org. Okay. But uh, what we're doing is is that God has flipped us to pray eat to really be like this catalyst. And so uh, coming soon um, in the spring, there'll be us will turn into a, uh, a resource, um, a virtual magazine. Okay. So all of those things would be in there so where people can gain access to 
how to church plan, how to do strategic planning, how to how, how to how to how to pray, you know, those kind of things. So it'll all be prior there. It's gonna be pretty dope. Sweet. So hustle pray it'll become kind of a hub for a lot of yes, different sweet. things that'll happen. Um well man, I've I've had a lot of fun today reconnecting with you guys and just talking, talking hip talking clothing, talking fashion, ministry, everything else. I think if there's one thing I take away from our time, it's just um listening to the spirit going where he yeah. leads, being willing to diversify ministry in a lot of different ways. And honestly, at the end of the day, continuing to go after the dream and the calling God's mm -hmm. given to him. And you guys are pioneers in urban ministry. I appreciate you a lot. Likewise, brother. Thank you so much for having us. Love you, my guys. Awesome. All right, we'll see you guys. Thank you for listening to the Exponential Next podcast. For more resources on the future of the church, visit exponential.org backslash next.